Welcome to the Unstoppable Yes You podcast, where we celebrate the achievements of Caribbean people to inspire the next generation. I'm your host, Carlos Phillip. Caribbean creativity is unstoppable. And in this new series, I'll introduce you to artists that are moving the Caribbean and Black culture forward. From contemporary paintings to photography to mixed media, you'll feel the passion, inspiration, and techniques that fuel these artists' work. They'll share helpful tips for those of you who are interested in learning what it takes to thrive in this space. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Bermudan contemporary artist, Jerde Hassel. Jerde's majestic mixed-media work celebrates Blackness and typically centers around the Black female body. She connects her experiences and academic research to larger cultural, historical, political meanings and understandings with an Afrofuturism aesthetic. Jade has exhibited at the National Museum of Bermuda and the Tina Lawson's annual wearable art gallery in Los Angeles, among others. She currently resides in Manchester, UK. Welcome, Jade. Thank you, Carlos, so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Oh, it's my pleasure having you. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing in Bermuda. Yes, so I had probably the best (laughs) um, upbringing in Bermuda. It was incredible. Like I played all the time outside, climbing trees, picking loquats, making lizard traps, catching lizards, like just the typical (laughs) sort of Caribbean like experience. It was amazing. Um, And, you know, during my childhood, like that was where I really developed a love for wonder and creativity and curiosity. And um, Bermuda was the perfect uh, place uh, for, for a child to be, to, to sort of explore that. And so, yeah, I probably wouldn't be the artist I am today if, if it wasn't for growing up there. And at what point did you decide that you wanted to pursue art as a career choice? So it was definitely not one of those things that came... Naturally, I I would say like, I think I always wanted to be an artist or do something creative. But in Bermuda, it's really, really difficult to um, be able to have like a sustainable career in art. So I never saw it like as a possibility for me. Um, So I had a very, very unconventional path uh, to art. When I graduated from high school, I wanted to be a doctor because I was a candy striper at the hospital during my high school experience. So I went off to school to do medicine initially, and then I didn't like it. So I ended up changing my major to public health. So graduated um, with a bachelor's of public health degree from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go back home, get a job and, you know, see how this goes. Went back home, couldn't find a job. So I'm like, okay, I need to choose something where I can have like a sustainable career. And so I was like, okay, I know for a fact if I go and I study law, like I can come back home and get a good job. So um, went back to school for law, got there and absolutely hated it. And I was just like, you know what? Like I need to be truthful with myself and 
lean into what I know is a passion of mine and something that has always sort of uh, been near and dear to me. So I didn't really know how I was going to be an artist, but I just knew that I wanted to. And that's what's interesting too, about when you are thinking about the pathway to being an artist, there's no direct path or everyone's path is different. So for instance, if you're going to be a doctor, like, you know, for a fact, you have to do pre-med and then you have to do uh, medical school and then you know there's steps that you take but for artists it can be different and so because I didn't study art initially in undergrad I felt like I had to carve out a pathway for myself and so um, I left law school and decided to move to China where I would just travel and use my travels to inform my work and then um While I was there, I decided to go back to school to marry my natural abilities and skill with um, some education. And so I just finished a master's degree of contemporary art at the China Academy of Art. So, yeah, totally unconventional. Um, But, yeah, I think I've always known that I wanted to be an artist, but, you know, just sort of a late bloomer. Yeah, and I know we were speaking earlier about career paths and the fact that typically coming from the Caribbean, in most households, your family want you to be a doctor or a lawyer, an engineer. And so it's natural to want to go down those paths. I wrestled with that as well, but I'm glad that you were able to really follow your passion. So you talked about growing up in Bermuda and that being a really nice backdrop for art. So were there any artists locally that influenced your work or did those influences come later on in life? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, when I was in high school, I had a really great art teacher, um, Christine Roman, who always encouraged uh, me to pursue art. She was like, you need to do it. Always allow me to come in after school and um, work on things that we were working on in class. Um, also, too, it was interesting because like with my high school, we were the first um, year level to be offered GCSE art. So they were pushing us to really produce like good work. Um, and so, yeah, she was an amazing teacher. And one of the things that was a real blessing for me when I was a young person was um, I was nominated for a, an award to study after school in art. So there's this program in Bermuda called the Center um, for Talented Youth. And so I was nominated to go to these after school classes for gifted kids. And um, I was just taking art classes like after school. But what's interesting, though, is that I never knew like any other Bermudian artist, maybe outside of Mrs. Roman, which is so interesting for me um, to think about. And so I really had to like seek out other Bermudian artists when I got into it later. And and so that's one of the things that I'm really um, interested in and really passionate about is making myself visible right now. Um, because I know that maybe if I had like access to um, other artists that I could talk to or that I knew when I was younger, I probably would have maybe chosen to become an artist sooner. And so that's like one of the things that I'm trying to uh, do right now in my life is sharing my email address, letting other artists who are coming up in Bermuda know that my inbox is open, can email me anytime, just accessibility, really. And so, um, yeah, so my influences came a lot later. I I definitely um, sought out relationships. Like there's one artist who I consider to be my mentor, 
Um, now her name is uh, Sharon Mohammed, and she's an incredible, incredible, incredible artist. And she has single-handedly um, really impacted me personally in my own life and also in my studio practice as well. Like she's um, headstrong and really leans into uh, what it means to be Bermudian and what it means to produce images that, that really reflect the beauty and essence of being a Black Bermudian. So my influences definitely came a lot later, I would say. You bring up a good point, and that's part of the driving force behind this podcast series, too, is to really expose young people to the vast array of career opportunities that are available to them. So, Jode, we talked a little bit about this in your bio, but can you expand on the themes and the messages and the ideas that you convey through your work? Yes. So my work right now um, in my studio, I'm thinking about identity a lot. Um, What's interesting is that, you know, when I first moved to China, I really didn't know like what I wanted to make work about. I knew I wanted to make work, but I think the backdrop of being in such a totally different place, like being out of context, um, totally different culture, language, race of people like it really forces you to look at yourself and to figure out what it is that you can bring forth to the world it's interesting because being in China like I had no idea that I would learn so much more about myself it's weird because there is such a nationalistic place and so um being there sort of forced me to look at like my own nationality and my culture And that was like a real gift of like being there. So when I'm in my studio, I'm thinking about identity a lot and what it means to be a Black woman, a Caribbean woman, a Bermudian woman walking in this world. And so I'm thinking about The Onion particularly. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but um, The Onion is an emblem for what it means to be Bermudian. And it has its roots like linked with uh, slavery. So the onion was essentially like the equivalent of cotton in Bermuda back in the day. And so I'm looking at the onion as a metaphor for peeling back layers of culture, looking at who we are as a people culturally. And so I'm exploring like many different things, multiplicity in the work, and just thinking about um, how I can really look at uh, the Bermudian experience. It's interesting because I'm thinking about a post-colonial world or Afrofuturist world, but it's interesting because we're in this like weird place because we're still a colony in 2023, which is so crazy to think about. So the work that I'm making, I'm centering it around this idea of, you know, what it means to make images um, in a post-colonial world, but we're still colonized. And so the the images are very much so wanting to think about who we could be in the future. And so it's from an Afrofuturist standpoint. I understood the metaphor of the onion and peeling back the layers, but I did not know of the connection um, between the onion and um, Bermuda. So can you expand on that just a little bit more? Yes, absolutely. So essentially, the idea about the onion is actually inspired by a book by Nellie Musson, who was a Bermudian woman who uh, wrote a book about uh, Black roots in Bermuda, and it was published on the first day of 
24th of May, which is essentially Bermuda Day. This was during the 70s. And so she laid out a foundation for what it meant to be Bermudian at that time. And it was a revolutionary book. It's an amazing book. And it's actually out of print now. And so um, what's interesting is that the book is titled Mind the Onion Seed. You know, when I came into contact with the book, I was just like, wow, this is absolutely fantastic because she just dives into what it means to be Bermudian. And one of the things that I thought was particularly interesting about the book is how she sort of centers um, Black female identity um, in the book. And honestly, when I came into contact with the book, I was just like, wow, this is exactly what I'm trying to do when I'm looking at the work. That book became a huge inspiration for me in my practice. So that's when I started to use the onion as a metaphor, which is interesting because in hindsight, like I can see its connection to like other things that I was doing in the past. So I have these figures that I use in my work um, and I call them alibi figures. And essentially they're like a imagined like faces of, of women. And there are layers of eyes. And so I've been doing this for a while, even before I made the connection with the onion. When I did finally make that connection, like I've been layering and delayering. And the alibi figures of looking at or imagining the future from a Black, feminist, Caribbean lens. That's why I have the focus on the eyes, because it's imagining through um, this particular perspective. So that book really, really anchored what it is that I'm looking at and was probably the best gift <laughs> that I've come into contact with, like, um, in making sense of like what it is that I'm doing um, when I'm in my studio. When you think of your body of work today, is there a particular series that you're most proud of? And if so, why? That's a good question. So, okay, I will say that whatever work I'm working on at the time in my studio is my favorite work. <laughs> so once the work is out in the world, I think of it like, how can I explain? So I think of it like, okay, I'm working on this thing and then I'm I'm really like in it and I'm really connected with that. And then when I put it out into the world, it's for the world to have and whatever reception comes from that. That's what it is. I think as an artist, our responsibility lies in making the work. We shouldn't like necessarily be leaning so much into the fruits of that labor. But what does it mean to truly be an artist is uh, being in a place of service and creating the work. And then whatever comes from that, you know, that's great. I would say that all of the works that I've done, I'm extremely proud of. I'm really connected with my first solo exhibition at Bermuda National Gallery. That was an exhibition that I really dug deep for that. I did a lot of research um, and that was an exhibition on collage, an, an exhibition on uh, meditation and reimagination. And it was just like one of those uh, exhibitions that I think challenged me uh, spatially because it was huge. It was, you know, it took up the whole room. And so like that was the first time that I had made a work that was uh, so big, not only uh, spatially, but also in ideas. And so... That's how I want all of the works to be, is to challenge me and to stretch me and to grow me and to, you know, throw me into the deep end in terms of research. Um, and so, yeah, I'm trying to continually 
a sort of center that and like have that as a focal point like in the work and so yeah i'm i'm proud of all the work really um i'm i'm proud of the practice as a whole got it you just mentioned your first exhibit so tell me how you went about securing that exhibit yeah so um that exhibition came after um an exhibition that i had at uh, Bermuda Society of Art. So I was invited to do a group show um, at the SOA. And um, it was fantastic with a few other Bermudian artists like Shanna Hollis. Uh, she was in that show there. And so Bermuda Society of Arts and Bermuda National Gallery are housed in the same building in the city hall building in town. The director of BNG came over to see the work and um, we had a like walkthrough of the exhibition and um, yeah Sophie Kressel and she was saying that she was really interested in you know allowing me the space to be able to sort of develop the work further and um, you know really push for in a solo exhibition at the time that was a dream for me I had BNG in my dream book like I thought it was something I'd maybe do like at 40 like you know so to be invited um so young for a solo exhibition um at the National Gallery was just it was amazing and so I knew that I needed it to be an exhibition that would be steeped in what it meant to be Bermudian and so I wanted it to be like bigger than like just bigger than me so uh, that was the sort of desire to sort of pivot into um, and sort of lean into my research a, a bit more. Um, so my alibi series is like more so like based on like imaginative thing. Well, the other work is too, but um, it, it was more like a historical based, if that makes sense. And like, I wanted to, to give back to the culture. And so, yeah, she, she invited me, um, to develop some work uh, for that exhibition. So yeah, that one came by invitation and um, was connected with the visibility of the other show. And so I think that's what's really important for artists too, is like, you know, to, to think about how one um, sort of exhibition or opportunity or event or something can have a connection um, to, to another one. Andrade, you mentioned that at the time you were thinking of a solo exhibit of this magnitude as something that would happen for you in the future. So since that has happened, as you think about maybe the next big exhibit, if you could wave your magic wand, what would that be? Oh, that's such a good question. Okay, well, I, I, I do have two exhibitions coming up this year. Um, which is really exciting for me. And both of them are um, solo exhibitions. So one is my first UK solo. Um, and then the other one is my first US solo, actually in DC in September. Oh my gosh, we have to stay in touch. I absolutely have to be there. Absolutely. Yes, I will definitely send you an invite. So yeah, it's yeah, it's at a gallery. Um at Mahari Sakar Gallery in DC. So um, yeah, it's like, you know, thinking about like what would be like the next best thing. I think I'm sort of like already like in that now, which is exciting. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to 
yeah, having both solo exhibitions. So the other um, solo exhibition is at uh, Manchester Home here in the UK, and that's in June. Well, congratulations on both. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm thrilled and excited. <laughs> also nervous because, you know, it's about like producing uh, new works um, for both of these exhibitions. So yeah, definitely in a place like where I'm being uh, challenged and right now I'm like learning new skills. I'm sewing now and uh, really just trying to like expand uh, my practice a bit more working in a, in sculpture. So yeah, doing, doing new things, which is exciting. That's awesome. Um, so for up and coming artists, um, maybe touch a little bit on how do you go about um, securing these exhibits? Yes. So for me, I would say I am really strategic um, in a sense. So like there have been things that I've been invited to um, that I've also like had to say no to. Like I want to be really selective about where the work is and where it ends up. Um, so I do recognize the importance of visibility like that that's a real thing for artists um but i want to also ensure um that the places that i exhibit also align with where i want the work to be seen or um, maybe potentially like what types of values um the organization has like that's extremely important for me so i would say a little bit of that but also a little bit of uh selectivity as well is is important um and so there are, you know, sometimes where I'm ascending my work out to places, but a lot of the opportunities that I've gotten have come by way of introduction or um, like introduction through like my network to someone that I know or um, have come by way of like invitation. So that's one of the things that I would say for for uh, art, young artists um, is to just ensure that you're um, thinking about um relationships like like this industry is all about relationships and so i've found that most opportunities have been generative so one opportunity has connected me with some people and then those relationships become important so you want to you know cultivate that and you know sort of nurture those relationships because it's through your network that you're going to get the opportunities but also to scoping things out and creating opportunities for yourself as well. So applying for open calls um, and exhibitions. And the other way that I would also say is uh, through publication. I think a lot of times artists forget about that route, um, but through publications, like people who may not have necessarily been able to physically get to an exhibition can maybe see your work like through a book or um, online in some way. So doing things like this, like podcasts um, or interviews. Um, so yeah, so not just thinking about exhibitions, but also thinking about other ways um, that you can sort of generate uh, momentum in the work. All great advice. So today, what role do you believe an artist play in society? Huge role. <laughs> Honestly, I think about this a lot, actually. Um, because when we're looking at like ancient civilizations and cultures, that's the thing that we're looking at. Like we're looking at the things that they've left behind. We're looking at the artifacts. We're looking at the books they've left behind. We're looking at um, language and culture. 
And so when we're studying people of the past, we're looking at who they were as a people through their art. And so we are just as important as, you know, people who have lived before. And so what we make now and what we're producing at this moment in time is going to um, be the thing that other people will study. And so artists are extremely important. If you're a writer, you're writing books, if you're a musician, like if, if you're a visual artist, like th those are the things that get left behind, the things that we create. And so artists are extremely important. And, you know, I wish that society valued <laughs> artists a bit more. But yeah, so important. And what's the best advice you've been given as an artist? Oh, that's a good one. So the best advice that I've been given is to show up uh, for the work daily, <laughs> like almost like all the time. You really have to be in it. I think, um, you know, there, there will be moments where, you know, you may sort of have like artist block or, um, you know, you may not have like that many opportunities, but the work is still valuable and it still needs to be made anyway, whether it has 10,000 people looking at it or just one. If you're the only person that sees it, like the work is still still important. And if you feel that uh, connection sort of like within yourself to make something, you have that impulse um, as a human being, that's really special. And uh, to to continue to, to lean into that and make the work anyway. The value is there regardless of whether or not um, there's a monetary value attached to it. Because part of that is that you're at least practicing your craft and honing your craft. Yeah. And ex maybe maybe exploring, you know, different um, techniques that pushes you beyond, you know, maybe your comfort zone. So I get it. Yes, absolutely. So my last and final question for you. Complete this sentence. I feel unstoppable when? I feel unstoppable when I'm in my studio. That's when I feel like I've got my cape on. I'm ready to go. I have superpowers. I can create anything. I feel unstoppable when I'm actually doing the art and being connected with that. Jade, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your story with us. I indeed had a pleasure speaking with you. So tell us where our guests can connect with you and see more of your beautiful pieces. Yes, uh, everyone can find me online um, on Instagram uh, at hassle underscore free, or you can find me at my website, www.jadehassle.com. To our Unstoppable Yes You Tribe, thank you for your continued support. Don't forget to check out more stories about Caribbean impact makers, rising stars, and trailblazers at unstoppableyesyou.com.